Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Lord, we thank you for your word, which tells us about him and tells us about ourselves. O Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit we may understand your word as we look at it today. Lord, we pray that we may be able to comprehend what you have said to us and how it applies to our lives. And we pray that we may go out stronger from here in the faith because we have heard the voice of the God speak to us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I think we know that children in Australia are generally born in very good circumstances. My children, Joshua and Philippa, were born with all kinds of care around them here in Sydney at RPA, the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. They're surrounded by nurses and doctors and they had uh, Jill was shown into this massive private room uh, when she gave birth to both of their children and incidentally we ended up in the same room both times. Uh, What are the odds of that? But anyway, we were there, this massive room which had a massive bathroom and a massive bathtub which Jill was able to use while she was there and uh, and so she loves baths and uh, and this bath was huge and wonderful for her to take a dip into, a nice soak uh, while she was going through great trauma, trauma that I'd never want to experience. And even there, there were all types of pain relief around as well that she could avail herself of at any point. And there's all kinds of specialty equipment that was there in case something would go wrong. And with our son Joshua, our first uh, child, uh, the midwife thought that she couldn't hear the heartbeat at one point uh, during uh, labour. And so she... uh, called emergency for a doctor. The doctor came in, found the heartbeat, but from then on, for the whole labour, Jill had this uh, thing strapped around her, this piece of equipment, that measured the heartbeat constantly and would sound alarm bells if the heartbeat was to disappear, which it did not. And uh, But it is amazing that we're in this place, surrounded with all this equipment, with all these specialists, with this massive room, this massive bathroom, and it's all there uh, for the birth of our children. Well, this Christmas Day, we're particularly considering not my children's birth. We don't have a special public holiday for them, although they might like to think that they should. But we're considering the birth of Jesus Christ. And the question for us this morning might be, what circumstances were around Jesus Christ's birth? What what surrounded the Son of God when he came into this world? And so my first main point this morning is that we can see the poverty of Christ's birth. If you want to follow my main points this morning, they're there printed on the back of the church bulletin. And the first is the poverty of Christ's birth. Jesus was born in poverty. Now, how do we know that he was born in great poverty? Well, the first way that we can see that he was impoverished when he was born is by the size of the town that he was born in. Where was Jesus born? Well, in Luke chapter 2, I encourage you to have it open there before you, the passage that we just had read earlier, Luke chapter 2, 1014, page 1014 of the Black Church Bibles, we see that he was born in Bethlehem. And so we read that in verse 4 of Luke chapter 2. It says, So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, that's Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Now, how do we know that Bethlehem is impoverished? Well, it was a small town. 
It was the place where King David was born, but King David never stayed there. He ended up moving his headquarters to Jerusalem. That's where he lived, in the palace that he built there. Bethlehem was a small town, and that generally indicates that you're not going to have particularly good circumstances around you when you're born. My children were born here in Sydney. Big town, nice hospital, Royal Prince Alfred Hospital, one of the best hospitals, I think, in whole of Australia that you can choose to have a child born in. Whereas Jesus was born in this little town of Bethlehem, which indicates that he probably didn't have the best circumstances around him when he was born, if that's all the information that we had to go on. But you may say, okay, maybe he was born in a small town, but he may have had some pretty good experts around him when he was born. Maybe they flew in some medical experts with the Royal Flying Doctors Service, and so that there were some really good midwives in that town, or good doctors, who had come from Jerusalem, the capital city, to Bethlehem just because they knew a child was being born there. Well, no. The poverty of Christ's birth is shown by who was there at his birth. Who was there at Christ's birth? Well, Jesus had no medical experts. He only had his poor parents. That's all that is indicated by the scriptures. We know that he had his adoptive father there, Joseph, by the text that we just looked at. And Joseph was not a particularly wealthy man. He was from the town of Nazareth, as we see there in verse 4. It says, so Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee. If you thought Bethlehem was a small town, well, Nazareth was even smaller. Nazareth was a town that was for really the low of the low. It was a country area and people ridiculed it. We see that in other parts of the, the New Testament, that people actually say, Nazareth, can anything good come from that town? Now think of a town in Australia that might fit that description. Can anything good come from that town? Maybe the town you were born in. I was born in a little town called Charters Towers in Queensland. And people might say, can anything good come from Charters Towers? That was the attitude that people had towards Nazareth. And that's where Jesus' adoptive father was from, Joseph. And what was his trade? Maybe he lived in that town, but he was like prince of the town. He was the one who owned all the real estate in that town. And so he was doing pretty well out of a slum. But no, we know that he was a carpenter. He wouldn't have been getting much money at all into his family. And so Jesus was born with a fairly poor circumstance in that his adoptive father was poor. And also we have no indication that Mary was wealthy. May you think, oh, well, he married for wealth, but then why was he working as a carpenter? He and Mary were quite poor. But you may say, okay, Christ was born in a small town. He's got poor parents, but maybe he was born in a nice house that someone was able to give them a nice place to stay. Because, let's face it, some people are poor in this country, but when they go into a particular crisis, people are very generous and they provide nice things for those people in those circumstances. And what better time to provide nicely for someone is when they're giving birth to a child. Well, no, we recognise that the poverty of Christ's birth is shown by the room that Jesus was born in. Where was Jesus born? Well, he was born in a stable. We see in verse 7 it says, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. He was born in a barn. And this is literally. You know how some people will say, Were you born in a barn? Because you're always leaving the door open. That's not what people say about Christ, that he was born in a barn because he kept leaving the door open. No, he was literally born in a barn, which shows 
that he was poor at his birth. Mary and Joseph couldn't even pull enough resources from family and friends that might be there in Bethlehem. This is his hometown, Joseph's hometown. They couldn't pull some resources together so that they could stay in a house or a hotel. They were staying in the barn. And then you might say, okay, well, he's, he's in a small town. He's got not particularly good experts in childbirth around him, no midwives. And he's born in a barn, but maybe it was a nice barn. It was a good barn that he was staying in. Maybe they had some baby resources there. So people knew that they were staying there, and so they brought some stuff in to help with the birth. Well, no, we see the poverty of Christ's birth is shown by his bed. Where did he sleep? Verse 7 says, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What resources did Jesus have around him? Suitable for a baby? Looks like none except a few cloths for him to be wrapped in. He was sleeping in a feeding trough for animals. Just think about that. I mean, at Christmas we tend to idolise these kinds of things and we memorialise them in some way and we think that they're all wonderful. You saw that in the kids' talk. The kids seem to think that a manger is a good place for a baby to be. That's wrong when we understand what it really would have meant to be sleeping where cows, animals, put their mouths to eat. Their food is there. I have a little bit of an understanding of that because when we were younger, my parents were offered a place to stay on holidays at, out in the middle of nowhere on this massive property with cows and other animals around and they had this house. These people owned a house. They built this house there and they were still in the stages of building it and it had a generator for electricity so you had to run the generator if you wanted lights to come on and it had a flushing toilet which was apparently a new addition just before we got there and then, but the bathroom wasn't yet completed so to have a shower, you actually had to go out and there was a, 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 a big tub which had a fire under it. You had to light a fire, put the water in, dish the water into this big tub, light the fire until the water was warm. Then you would put a bucket into it, which you then fixed to a shower sort of head, which dribbled slowly, and you had this outdoor shower, basically, with water that you'd heated by lighting a fire under it. It was quite laborious. And one morning, after we'd done this a few times, and uh, we'd been there, we were there for at least a week, if not two, one morning we noticed out one of the windows a cow wander up. They wandered around the whole property. There were no fences whatsoever, except on the very perimeter of the property. A cow drinking from that trough, that tub, where we were using water for our showers. A cow was actually drinking from this water that then I was pouring, and this was the first time that we'd noticed, and we'd done this many times, uh, that a cow was actually contaminating, could you say, of that water that then I was pouring over my body to make it clean. And so we went, ooh, and so then we had this dilemma of, do we just have no showers, which is ooh in itself, or do we have showers with what we know cows have put their mouths in? And uh, it was quite a dilemma for us, and we would recognise that this is not particularly nice to have where a cow has been putting its mouth to then put our body in close proximity to that. But that's what Jesus Christ was experiencing. The Son of God came and lay in a feeding trough for animals. So it appears that Jesus is not off to a very good start here. He is born in great poverty. Did he stay in such poverty? 
well, as you read more in the Gospels, yes, you see that he didn't lead a very rich life at all. He didn't have great wealth. And in fact, he suffered greatly whilst in this world and died a shameful, humiliating death on the cross. Was that the end of the story for Jesus, that he came into this world in great poverty, lived in great poverty, died in great poverty? Well, no, that is not the end of the story. The Bible tells us that Jesus one day experienced great riches and that was when he was raised from the dead. And so that's my second main point this morning, the riches of Christ's new birth. The riches of Christ's new birth. After death, Jesus had a new birth. He had the first birth where he was born in great poverty, but then he had a new birth where he was born in great riches. And that was when he was raised from the dead. And the Bible speaks of his resurrection from the dead as a birth. It says that Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. He is the firstborn. He is the first one raised from the dead. And Jesus now has new life after his death. But is that new life a life that is accompanied by wealth and riches? Or is it a life of poverty once again? Well, the Bible tells us quite clearly that Jesus now reigns with great wealth. The riches of Christ's new birth are shown by his exaltation to God's right hand. And we see that in a passage like Acts chapter 5, verse 30. It says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour. And then we also see that the riches of Christ are now shown by how people respond to him. Philippians 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has experienced a new birth, a resurrection from the dead, his new birth, and he has then been exalted to God's right hand in heaven, and now all people, every creature, will one day bow down to him and confess that he is Lord. He has more wealth than any ruler in this world can imagine. He reigns supreme. So he had a poor first birth, but certainly a rich second birth from the dead. But what does that have to do with you? We love rags to riches stories, don't we? I used to love the Rocky series uh, because that's a real uh, rags to riches story. This lonely little boxer eventually takes out the heavyweight champion of the world. He becomes the heavyweight champion. Do we just find this an interesting little story for our lives or does it have greater application to us? Well, it does have great application to us because it reminds us of our lives as well. And that brings me to my third main point this morning, the poverty of our birth, the poverty of our birth. Now, you may not have been born, and it's very unlikely, in the same impoverished conditions that Jesus Christ was born in this world. My children were born in a lovely hospital with the best of equipment, with nice cots around them, nice little cribs with wheels on it that you can wheel around. Very nice, not a manger. And I'm sure you were born in a similar situation. But nonetheless, we were all born into poverty. How is that? Well, we were all born into a world that is troubled by pain and suffering. We were born into a world where we are born in trouble. 
And that's what Job, a book in the Bible, chapter 5, verse 7 says. Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Now, I haven't had much experience with sparks, but apparently if you bang metal against metal, the sparks fly upwards, and that's how certainly we are born in trouble. What does that mean? Well, we're born into a world where people can terrify others with great violence. And we can even see this in the last couple of weeks by various acts of violent terror, even here in Australia. This is an impoverished life to live where people can make such great acts of violence around us. And also we're born into a world where people can suffer with great excruciating illnesses, like we can see with the Ebola virus that has been in the headlines throughout this last year, and other diseases like HIV and cancer. These kinds of diseases that are around us remind us of how impoverished we are when we're born into this world. But that's suffering, that pain and suffering that we experience in this world from violence and from illnesses is not the greatest extent of our poverty in this world. The greatest extent, the greatest indicator that we are born in poverty is by our sin, that we are born into sin. When we are born in this world, we are born in what we call original sin. And the Bible speaks about this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Through the disobedience of the one man, that's Adam, Adam and Eve, the very first parents, the many were made sinners. We were all made sinners when Adam and Eve sinned in that garden so many years ago. We have that original sin. We are born in that original sin. And then we are born committing actual sin as well. Psalm 58 says, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. We commit actual sin from the very beginning. We are rebellious. We don't do what we are told. And you can see that with children. You don't have to teach them to be naughty. They work it out all on their own, which demonstrates the poverty with which they are born. They may be born in nice hospitals with nice technology around them, with lots of people who are able to help them, but they are born in sin, which shows the extent of their poverty. And so because of our sins, we could even say that we're far more impoverished when we come into this world than Christ was, because he was born sinless, and he never sinned. The question then is, what hope do we have? Now remember, Christ is the true rags to riches story. He goes to the very height. He starts at the very low, lower than where we start in some ways in this uh, the, the conditions that we are born in, and he goes to the very height. What about us? Is there any rags to riches story for us? Well, that is what we learn in the scriptures, that there is something about Christ's second birth that points to the second birth that we can enjoy too. And that's my fourth main point this morning, the riches of your new birth. The riches of your new birth. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, after death you are reborn by the resurrection of the dead. It is a new birth that you are given and it is to a wonderful place of great wealth. And that's what we read just earlier from Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, flip back there with me, page 1230, 1230 of the Black Church Bibles. Revelation chapter 21, verse, reading from just verse 1, and we'll read through to verse 4. And this describes where you can be born again. Revelation chapter 21, last book of the Bible, page 1230, verse 1 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Remember what I said about the poverty of this world? Why are we impoverished in this world? Because there is death, mourning, crying, pain in this world. But in the new world, these things are not there anymore. They have passed away as the old order. And we no longer sin in the new order as well, in the new world. There is no more violence committed by people who would want to incite terror in our lives. It has passed away. And so we are not born into a world with violence. We're not born into a world with illnesses. Instead, we're born into a, a world with great luxury, which we saw as that passage was read to us earlier, where streets are made with gold. There is no country, no matter how wealthy in this world, that has streets made with gold. But that is the new world where you can be born to be one day. But how is such birth possible? Who pays for such a birth? Surely it is very costly to experience a birth that brings you into such a world. When we consider the cost that would have been expended for bringing my children into this world through an institution like the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. It's wonderful there that that was provided for us free of charge. Jill went in there, came out, and not a cent poorer as a result of going in for two children. And with Joshua, she was even, they didn't have enough public room, so she was given a private room uh, that while she was there. She was given the best for her there. That was very expensive, I'm sure. I didn't see a bill, but I'm sure it's very expensive to build a place like the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital and put all that equipment in there, pay for all those staff members. To have them all there is a great expense. So what expense would be paid for you to experience a new birth into a new world with great privilege and great honour, with great wealth there? Who could surely pay for such a birth? Well, the answer is Jesus Christ did that. And that's why he came into this world. That's why we remember Christmas so much, is because of what Christ has done. We, I read earlier from Romans chapter 5 where it said that we were all made sinners through one man, but that passage goes on to say, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, just as through Adam we were all made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, the many were made righteous. Who paid for such a birth to go into great riches? Well, it's Jesus Christ. And how did he pay? With a big bank balance? No, with his life. We are sinners. We owe God for the sin that we have committed. But instead of us paying, Christ pays for us. He pays the punishment that we deserve at the cross. And so we can go free to this new birth with wonderful wealth for eternity. We are born in great poverty for a time with violence, suffering around us, 
and sin in our lives and the lives of those around us. That only happens for a time. But if we trust in Jesus Christ's death for us, the payment is made and we can go free. You do not, it's like when I went into that public hospital and came out without paying a cent. That's what Christ does. He pays for you to be reborn into a new world. And all you have to do then is trust that Jesus Christ has done that. And that's what John chapter 5 verse 24 says. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. If you want to be born with great riches, if you recognise how impoverished you are here, which may be hard to do on Christmas Day when you have so many presents given to you and you feel like you are rich, you are not. Because I'm sure, well, I can't be 100% sure, but I'm sure you're going to see signs of sin in your lives today, particularly as families often get together on Christmas Day. Evidence of our impoverished state will be here. And news may come in that shows suffering and violence around the world that reminds us on Christmas Day that we are not as wealthy as we think in this world. Recognize that and then long for a new birth with great wealth, with Jesus Christ himself in heaven. He has shown that it can be done to go from great poverty to great riches. Won't you join him and accept that gift that he has given this Christmas of a free pass into eternal life? God has offered the most precious gift, his son, so that you can have the riches of eternal life. Will you really put return to sender on Jesus Christ, stamp it on his head and send him back and say, I don't want your gift, I'd rather stay in poverty now and forevermore? We often do that with our mail. I really like working out whether something's junk mail or not and putting return to sender on it. We do that with Jesus Christ. That's what so many people are going to do this Christmas. They're going to hear about Jesus Christ as the most precious gift that God has ever given. That you can have a new birth through Jesus Christ to eternal life. Are you going to put RTS, return to sender on him, and say, I don't want any of that. I'd rather stay in great poverty here and forevermore. Don't do it. Trust in Christ. Believe in him. Believe that his death was for you and experience great riches forevermore as a result. Let us speak with our God now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that you did send your son Jesus Christ into this world. We thank you for how much we love the story about Jesus Christ's birth. But Lord, we recognize that it was not a pretty birth. It was an impoverished birth. But then we recognize that he has been exalted to your right hand. He is the great example of how you can go from very low to very high. Lord, we pray that we may follow in his footsteps. May we recognize how impoverished we are this Christmas and long to be born again in a new world where there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more death, there's no more crying and the streets are paved with gold and there is no more sin. Lord, we pray that we may all trust in Jesus Christ. May we accept your gift to us. Not send it back, but keep it. Keep Jesus Christ with us all our days and look forward to that new birth in the heavenly home. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.